Curiously Polar with Chris Marquardt and Mario Aguarona. Hello and welcome back to Curiously Polar. We are again talking about things very north and very south and my name is Chris and with me is Mario. Hi there. Hi Chris. Hi from uh, Tromso. Yeah, from Tromso again. The, okay, the place that you and I met and that kind of kicked off this entire podcast series is high up in the north and it's Svalbard. Svalbard, or uh, also known as Spitsbergen in other places. And it's a place high up in the Arctic. We have talked about it frequently here. And uh, it's it's a bit of a special place. It is not the the usual place that you find in other areas and and there are several reasons for that and one of them is what is known as the Svalbard Treaty what is the Svalbard Treaty uh, it's um <clears throat> the Svalbard Treaty is a is a um, piece of international agreement is a an international treaty that uh, um, gives uh, sovereignty over Svalbard to Norway, but it makes also Svalbard a kind of an an international area. So Svalbard mm. is is officially part of Norway, but it kind of isn't. Is that it's, it's in a weird in, in intermediate state? Yes, yes. Well, we have to we have to go back in history in order to um, quickly back in history. I'm not going to be. Uh, be very long on this, but um, if we um, if we look at what uh, what Spitsbergen or Svalbard um, was until before the Svalbard Treaty is um, like a no man's land or everybody's land. It was a territory that was uh, not part of any nation, even though there have been kind of uh, battles and skirmishes and. Uh, and uh, and fights. So several countries to... claimed ownership or tried yeah, to claim well, ownership. Well, they didn't. They didn't actually claim ownership of Svalbard, but they claimed ownership over some of the resources that were around Svalbard. Ah, and it's about seals the... and whales were the uh, were the first uh, things that uh, that people yeah. fought over. We we talked mm-hmm. about whaling episode thirteen. So yeah, yeah, whaling, whaling was huge at one point and very important yeah, to, yeah. to have to have whales and what uh, what you what the products that you can make from whales. Yeah, whaling, whaling, and, and before that uh, also sealing and uh, walrus hunting were were very important out there. Um, and then, uh, well, when the when the whaling uh, decreased or was uh, was becoming more difficult because of the uh, extermination of whales um, up in around Svalbard um, then the place lost a little bit of its importance um, and uh, and it was not really nobody would uh, would uh, no country would claim the sovereignty over such a place out there so far north and so difficult to access and with few resources but then uh, <clears throat> somehow at the um, at the treaty of versailles um, so at the peace and negotiations in in paris at the end of world war 1 um, one of the uh, things that was discussed is uh, what to do with uh, with svalbard and um, and uh, the original 
name was the Treaty Recognizing the Sovereignty of Norway over the Archipelago of Spitsbergen, as it was called at that time. Uh, that's, a very, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a mouthful. And um, <clears throat> we had uh, Norway, uh, USA, Denmark, France, Italy, Japan, the Netherlands, Great Britain, uh, with Ireland, and over the British uh, Empire, overseas dominions, and Sweden. And uh, and they uh, agreed um, on the, the 9th of February 1920, <clears throat> and then was uh, enforced in Norway on the 14th of August 1925, uh, on a few points. And these points uh, are that Svalbard is a part of Norway, so it is part of the Norwegian territory, but there are some special conditions. For example, that there is a condition that tax for tax any any sort of uh, revenue um, uh, for uh, any activity or uh, residence in in Svalbard. All the collected taxes, the dues, the fees, may only stay in Svalbard. They have to benefit Svalbard. Mm. So Norway cannot, the state cannot gain from. Svalbard. And Norway, and Norway signed Svalbard. that? Yes. They yes. pretty well, much signed was, away money. Uh, yes and no, because it really depends on what kind of activity you are having. I mean, if you only have, if, 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 there, are, if there is a lot of, uh, of activity, of industrial activity, at, the, at one time there was a lot of coal extraction, mm-hmm. then you might put a tax on that and then you might gain money. But if that, the, those activities disappear, then actually Svalbard becomes a, uh, a sinkhole for oh, state so, money so for the, Norway. So there was not really much tax to be made there anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay, <clears> get it. Mm. Um, in practice, this means uh, this uh, tax uh, thing means that the income taxes are lower in Svalbard than they are on mainland Norway, and uh, Svalbard doesn't have the value-added tax or taxes that are uh, aimed to uh, increase the state revenues, and uh, and also the administration of Svalbard is budgeted as a separate item. It's a Svalbard budget. It's not part of the state budget in Norway, for Norway. So this is about the tax. <clears throat> then there is um, the uh, interesting thing that um, there is a non-discrimination article, and it means that uh, if you are a citizen or a company from all the nations that have uh, uh, signed the treaty and ratified the treaty, you have the right of access, residence, and work in Svalbard. So you have the right to fish for hunting, uh, do any sorts of maritime, industrial mining activity or trade, um, on on the same basis as Norwegian national. So it means that it's not a... um, I mean, Norwegian law is valid, uh, but you have... Uh, no restriction uh, in uh, by the fact that you are, uh, for example, a, a, a ship that is uh, working in Svalbard with a flag from the Netherlands can, like the Nordelict, can uh, work in Svalbard in the same basis as a ship with a Norwegian flag. 
and that is uh, w- without paying extra taxes or uh, or fees for for the use of uh, of the territory oh, okay so it is it is actually very nice so if you uh, and with with germany uh, having now joined the uh, this farba treaty um the uh, if you want to establish a, a shop up in uh, in, in Svalbard or a photo uh, studio or something or your activity up in Svalbard you will not have to have some Im- immigration procedures oh, so or I, I could if I wanted taxes. to move up to Svalbard and open yes. uh, yeah yes. a photo business up there a photo business up there uh, without with with the uh, let's say the lower taxes that are uh, connected to the fact that it's uh, it's the, the taxes will stay in Svalbard, right? So it will cost less than uh, than being in um, in the mainland. So, so uh, something to think about, isn't it? <laughs> with, with with these with these kind of in, in, uh, well, th- these are definitely incentives. But um, why why isn't Svalbard overcrowded then? We're still looking at under three thousand people living on on the on the archipelago. Well, it is. I think that it's mainly because it's it's, it's cold. quite far away. <laughs> it's it's expensive to get to and from uh, yeah. Svalbard because because of the sheer distance, and then the infrastructure is not uh, up to the infrastructure that you might have in other places. Even though it's rapidly gaining momentum, it wasn't too bad when we were there. It was very very modern in in most areas. Is, at least at is. least in Longyearbyen. That's, it is very modern, yeah. but uh, but uh, for example, if you need uh, any sort, I mean, there are no uh, the market is so small that if you need a new lens for your camera, you would have to order it from far away, have to import and it, it would yeah. have to come through uh, like several flights and and things. So it's not in there is no DHL or no no or, Amazon uh, dot, dot no, uh, Svalbard no no Amazon drones coming over and <laughs> yet and and sending you things in Svalbard. So it's um. It's a place that it's, it might become uh, a very attractive place and the treaty might be renegotiated at some <laughs> point in order to uh, to adjust it with the, with the new times. I mean, Svalbard now has a very high throughput internet uh, cable yeah. going to the mainland and uh, so you, you are connected to the outside world by voice, internet uh, and other other ways uh, there is um, there are quite a lot of activities that are uh, pretty modern uh, and the connections by plane are definitely better than they were even 30 years ago where it was very difficult to get it's definitely by, by not as easy as yeah. here where i have like frankfurt international airport within a couple of hours from where i live yes you you don't have direct flights to new york no no, no not quite <laughs> no. Okay, Several so we have we have Svalbard yeah. being part of Norway. We have the yeah. tax staying the there. Tax. We have the non-discrimination <clears throat> clause. What else was in the in the initial treaty? And there are there are two two very interesting things. And one is directly the consequence of uh, the fact that the treaty was signed at the end of World War One, and uh, it is that Svalbard um, has should have no. Fortresses, no naval bases, no uh, permanent uh, military military installations, and Svalbard should not be used for what they call it martial purposes. So uh, there there shouldn't be any uh, it shouldn't be the seat of any any military operation. 
Is it, is it, uh, you say it shouldn't, is there anything like that there or is it kind yeah, of weakened? Yeah, well, it is, um, it is, um, well, first of all, this article has been infringed uh, several times during World War II, uh, where there was military um, presence and battles uh, up on, uh, on the archipelago. But uh, but it's also because if you're talking about a totally demilitarized area where there shouldn't be any military at all, then you are actually making a baseline. This is easy or relatively easy to see if you infringe or not the uh, the uh, this article. But uh, saying that you shouldn't have any any permanent. Uh, installation and Svalbard may not be used for martial purposes leaves in any case the possibility <laughs> of a little bit of <laughs> yeah a little bit of activity so so you can pass through uh, like Norway for example has a, a small military presence in Svalbard because its warships uh, pass uh, close to Svalbard and they might go on land at uh, at uh, several places and this is mainly because the coast guard in Norway is a military uh, unit um and uh and then like uh, what if uh, you send up uh, military troops on leave for example for a holiday <laughs> up there it's trained personnel that is coming up there and in Svalbard you go around with guns because uh, because you have uh, to defend yourself from polar bears and that's also having uh, a gun up there yeah. is is pretty normal yeah yeah it's pretty normal so you have people armed and they might be trained as military but uh, they might not be officially uh, a military presence so, so it's, it's, it's being uh, watered down a bit yeah it has always been like you try to your best not to make Svalbard the seat of any of any big military operation and it's it's of course Svalbard is strategically very well placed to control the access or it's it's a, one of the keys to the access to the Barents Sea or from the Barents Sea through the Atlant to the Atlantic so it's uh, a very important uh, uh, area for uh, uh, for example for the for Russia to access the North Atlantic because Russia has the possibility of accessing the North Atlantic through the Barents Sea or through uh, the Baltic and it's the Baltic is a little bit more complicated to get by there are many states and uh, there can be a uh, strategic uh, impediments in case of in case of conflict <clears throat> so well this this was the military restrictions and yeah it's is one of the uh, one of the uh, interesting clauses in there but i find that the best clause is that already in 1920 somebody thought that it, about environmental conservation which and, is uh, interesting back in 1920 Exactly. That and was with a quite a lot of foresight. Yes, and the Svalbard Treaty imposes on Norway to protect Svalbard's natural environment. And and this means that now the, the forty three countries that are now registered as part of the Svalbard Treaty have somehow to obey the Norwegian regulations on how to protect the uh, environment on Svalbard. And there is a Svalbard Environmental Fund um, where part of the tax goes and where part of the income from the visitors also goes that 
uh, is uh, trying to improve the environment or preserve the environment of the archipelago and that's that's really nice it's like uh, it's in the it's in the uh, constitution of Svalbard if you can call it that an environment has to be conserved so what uh, does that exactly uh, mean because back before 1920 there was already industrial activity there coal mining and so on mm-hmm. so did the the um the clause to conserve the environment did that change anything in that did that uh, shut down some of these operations uh, what do you mean like like uh, coal mining and and industrial stuff is not good for the environment almost by definition so did the did, well, the, did the clause kind of change any of that did it uh, no, make anyone not, shut down or yeah not not really it really um yeah it really depends on what you do to clean up after yourself <laughs> right if you understand what i mean it's uh you have a uh, um you have the uh, some activities and and being on svalbard is in some ways affecting the environment uh, so even by by the visitors just by going there you are affecting the environment but as far as possible it is uh, it is uh, attempted to minimize the impact of the activities that there are on Svalbard uh, by and, uh, and that's cleaning something up after yeah, yeah. that is something Except that that I, that I that I realized while being up there is that uh, everyone was very cautious about about yeah, that yeah. exactly but uh, the um there is a there is an interesting thing that people might be uh by me uh like uh, thinking about when when they get to Svalbard and get the the briefings about what you can do and what you cannot do and it is that everything that is uh every uh item man-made or man-transported item that is from before 1945 is actually to be left there so uh it it, it has become a, a historical remain and it's a cultural heritage and uh, and so you you are not allowed to to clean up even piles of rubble man-made piles of rubble that are older than 1945 so it's a kind of a preservation of history and and culture mm-hmm. yeah so uh so the the instrument that is used for um, environmental management is the, uh, the Svalbard uh, Environmental Act um, and uh, Environment Protection Act, and uh, it is uh, the first time uh, that it came into force. It was in two thousand and two, uh, and it's uh, <clears throat> dealing about uh, management plan for land use. So if you want to uh, build a house or um, do something in Svalbard, you have to go through this uh, approval by the by the management plan, um, according to the management plan of, uh, of, of Svalbard. Then there is the cultural heritage um, management. I mentioned this, uh, uh, this part of the, uh, of the Protection Act that uh, says that human activity from before 1945 uh, is protected as a cultural heritage. And uh, then there is the pollution uh, protection, 
like you are not allowed now to uh, uh, for example to sail with uh, ships that use uh, heavy oil um, in several places around Svalbard it's very restricted to where you can go um, um, coal mining is uh, is uh, strictly regulated and also what kind of uh, uh, activities have to be uh, enforced in order to prevent pollution and then and then there is also the species management which is like uh, uh, how um, the, the principle is that um, wildlife should remain virtually untouched so there is no possibility of uh, or there is, there is a restriction a very st strong restriction on the exploitation of of uh, living resources and um and this means that uh, even though one of the main activities in Svalbard has been trapping and hunting trapping and hunting now is strictly regulated there is some but it's very very regulated so that uh, um only a few people can get the license to go and uh, and shoot uh, reindeer or trap uh, for foxes and seals. So one of the things I notice is that um, between when the Svalbard Treaty was uh, put in place back in 1920 and uh, and now the, a lot of countries have joined and ratified the treatment the, the treaty. Yes, yes, uh, it is. Uh, there have been uh, uh, renegotiations of the of the treaty, and uh, and it is uh, now more countries are, are joining, uh, have joined, and uh, and these countries that um, have also an interest in uh, in Svalbard, but also want to establish a presence in Svalbard, especially research. Uh, at the moment, uh, there are quite a lot of uh, of uh, of research activities around New Olesund, as you have noticed. Oh yes, uh, and and this is of course uh, an interesting uh, an interesting development uh, that uh, there is more interest for uh, uh, there is more interest for uh, for research in these areas. And, it, and also, it, it felt like it felt it, up in New Olesund, it felt like there were. A presence by, but what it felt like almost almost every country in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, at least all the regions very, of the world being represented mm, there now. Yeah, and it's interesting to see there are a country like the countries like uh, like Iceland that joined in 1994 or Lithuania in, in 2013, and and of course these uh, are countries that before the, that date. Uh, they might not have had their own sovereignty. So uh, Iceland before 1945 was um, uh, was not an independent country. So it couldn't have joined. It was part of Denmark. Um, actually, I think that today is the 50th anniversary oh, of wow. the constitution no, or something. There is some uh, big anniversary in Iceland uh, today. And, um, and then um, there is the um, countries like... Uh, like Latvia or Lithuania, that uh, were part of the Soviet Union. And uh, and they were not uh, independent countries when the treaty uh, was signed or in the years afterwards. Yeah. One so of the is, things I, and yeah. I think this also goes back to the Svalbard Treaty, is what I um, heard is that uh, even if you want to visit Svalbard, you won't, you won't need a visa. Yeah, 
Yeah. And that's true for virtually everyone on the planet. Yes. So you just yeah, go. That's why you have a lot of foreign workers up in Svalbard. In it's a very colorful place. Lots of different yeah. uh, nations represented. I think last time I was, well, the first and last time I was there, uh, someone said that there are like over 80 different nations uh, mm, in Longyearbyen alone. But you have to. You also have to take into consideration the Svalbard is not a part of the Schengen Agreement. So, True. so when you pass, you have to. When you come to Norway, which is part of Schengen from Germany, uh, there is usually no passport control um, because uh, unless there is some special temporary regulation for. But uh, but if you go to Svalbard, you have to have your passport. That is true. With you. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Anyway, yes. The Svalbard this is Treaty. What we can say about the Svalbard Treaty. Very interesting uh, treaty that it, regulates it's, it's a very, very interesting place. area. Very, very unique, unique place, yeah. yes. Okay, so that was it for episode 35 of Curiously Polar. And uh, we're happy that you're still with us. And if you're new, um, go to curiouslypolar.com. You can check out 34 other episodes about a lot of things Arctic and Antarctic. We'll be back in a week from now with, um, well, with an interesting topic about the long winter. Till then, take care and stay cool. Stay cool, Chris. Stay cool.